Entrepreneur on Fire 442. In need of some motivation? We've got you covered seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Stream audio of all your favorite books on audiobooks.com using your smartphone, tablet, or PC. And guess what? You can get your first book for free today. Go to audiobooks.com slash fire. Are you a small business owner wanting to look big time for your clients? Go to evoice.com and get $5 off every month for life when you enter promo code fire. That's evoice.com promo code fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Shannon Kinney. Shannon, are you prepared to ignite? Yes. All right. Shannon is the founder of Dream Local Digital, a digital marketing agency that has worked with thousands of small businesses across North America. She has over 15 years of experience in the development of successful internet products, sales, and marketing strategies. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Shannon, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. Great. Thanks. Um, my name is, as you said, is Shannon Kinney, and I spend my time working with businesses to help them market themselves online. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. We are based here in Maine, uh, but I enjoy being on the road and with our partners and with small businesses all around the country most of the time. Dream Local helps businesses market themselves online so that they can focus on managing their businesses. And we also work with media companies and ad agencies to offer more digital marketing services to their advertisers, such as social media, search engine marketing, email marketing, blogs, websites, and more. Well, Shannon, most of Fire Nation is well aware, but I do want to reiterate that I as well am from the great state of Maine, our motto being the way life should be. And there are countless reasons as to why that motto rings true. But before we really dive into this interview, Shannon, and get behind everything that you have going on right now, We start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote because we really like getting that motivational ball rolling. So take it away. My favorite quote, which I have in a huge painting over my desk, is if everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. And that is a quote from Mario Andretti. And I focus on using that all the time in the office here with the team and in my day-to-day leadership because we know we have to move fast at all levels of our organization and we need to deliver really high-quality service and innovations each day. So anytime I feel like I've got a hold of my to-do list, I am just not getting enough done. (laughs) So we feel like it's a, a really special mindset. I love that mindset. And it's actually a great theme that's developed here on these Entrepreneur on Fire interviews because if you are comfortable and as humans, we always do strive to reach that level of comfort where we feel secure, we feel protected. But as entrepreneurs, that's a curse. That is not a blessing. If you feel comfortable, it means you're not continuing to push the envelope, which in this day and age, Shannon, if you're not always pushing the envelope and trying to stay cutting edge, you are soon going to be left in the dust. You need to look at it as a game 
game as a fun racetrack like Mario Andretti and this great quote that you share with us where he's whipping around corners and he's having a blast doing it. I'm having a blast, Shannon. I know you are too. Being out of control is not a bad thing for an entrepreneur. So that's a great lead into what the rest of the interview is going to be focused on, Shannon, and that's your journey. Because an entrepreneur on fire, we focus on your journey as an entrepreneur, the successes, the aha moments, but we always start off with the failures. So tell us a story, Shannon. Tell us a time that you failed. Really take us there and share with us the lessons that you learned. I think for me, the biggest one was uh, poor choices in business partners. Um, I really am so focused on the success of our company and growing our services to our customers that there was a point in time early in our history, a little over four years ago, where I felt like I uh, would be a better service to everyone if I brought on additional partners that could add value in different ways, which as we all know is a really great strategy and um, in most cases. But in my part, uh, I think I made some poor choices there. And, and really, it, it, rely, it related to assuming that people have a similar work ethic to me. Um, which, you know, isn't always the case and always assuming um, that people have high integrity, which isn't always the case. And so for me, um, I think it wasn't just the choice of the business partners. I also felt a need to make them feel empowered um, and independent and um, so that they could be successful and the, a poor choice highly empowered was a problem for us. So for me, uh, how I overcame it was we had to go through a painful extraction of those partnerships. But really, I think the biggest um, part of it was being very honest and direct and straightforward with our team throughout the process, being transparent about what we were experiencing. And for them, uh, it really solidified our relationship in that they trusted me and they learned from the experience. Many of them were having their own doubts about these business partners, but not sharing it with me. So when I was transparent about it, uh, we all rallied together and we were able to overcome it. But it was it it was a bump in the road for us um, by making just some some poor choices there in the beginning. So Shannon, that is a great aerial view of some challenges that you face throughout your journey. But here in Entrepreneur on Fire, we really dig deeper because we're all about the story. Okay, so we really want you to take it down to the ground level and share with us some of those early days and some of those specific challenges and failures that you face right at the beginning with those partners and then how you did extricate yourself. Right. Um, so the, what we were feeling with those choices was our day-to-day experience. We were finding that the partners weren't pulling their weight and we'd be... Uh, in the middle of getting tasks done, getting deliverables done, launching new products. And there was very little productivity coming out of the two partners. Let's hear a specific story where that really hit home for you. Uh, We had charged one with launching a product line related to video. And we didn't have anything happening. We didn't have anything that we could sell And meanwhile, the partner in question was spending a lot of time talking to everyone else about their jobs and how he could change their jobs instead of doing the role that we had for him, which was really around research and development in video. And so our team began to be skeptical and lose respect 
um, both of for that person, but also some for me in that I kept empowering the person and saying, well, I guess it's going to get better, right? <laughs> like, I believe it's going to get better. And so it was, it was that sort of uh, confidence lo- loss within the team that made me start to feel like we need to take action. There were also several team members who were feeling um, a little concerned about uh, the multiple questions about their jobs. Um, and so the two things together were starting to slow down my team and nothing, we don't like slow here at Dream Local Digital. <laughs> Mario Andretti, baby. That's right. That's right. And so when those sorts of bumps in the road started to trip us up, I, uh, I, I had a frank conversation uh, with the partners and said, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling like we're setting ourselves up for success right now. What do, you, what do you think we should be doing about it to achieve these goals? And fortunately, uh, the partner was pr- pretty quick to say, you know, I think we should separate, which I was excited about and, and felt like it was the right move for all parties involved. Um, but it, it turned out that it was a lot more complicated than it needed to be. Um, the person wouldn't... Um, turn back over their shares of the company and we ended up having to go to court to make that happen, which was disappointing. That is disappointing. And that is a tale that we hear over and over again here at Entrepreneur on Fire because as entrepreneurs, when we are going through that crazy growth phase, we're looking to bring partners on, to bring people and experience into the company or adding it to our focus that's really going to enable us to continue to grow as fast as we want to. And oftentimes we do make those partnership mistakes or those hiring mistakes. And if you're not able to hire and or partner very slow and then fire and or separate very fast, a lot of issues can result. And unfortunately, Shannon experienced that firsthand. So Shannon, thank you for telling us that story because that's a situation that a lot of the listeners are going to find themselves in or are currently finding themselves in right now and hearing how you dealt with it is really valuable. So let's continue that theme of telling great stories as we go to the other end of the spectrum to the aha moment, to the light bulb that went off at some point in your journey. So tell us that story, Shannon. Take us down to the ground level there and specifically the steps that you took after having that moment to turn it into success. Great. I was in the newspaper industry in the mid-1990s, and I had been in that industry for some time, mostly on the sales side in terms of helping businesses utilize print media to grow themselves. And I had an aha moment around, I think it was 1994, um, about the internet. And I was following the internet, and I really saw that it was starting to have a profound effect on how people were com- who were communicating with each other, even though it was only a small group at that time, it was really changing the way that they communicated. And, and so we started taking a look at how it would affect media companies. Like, does this mean we should take all of our classified ads and put them on the internet so people can search them? Does it mean that people are going to expect to see the news uh, and get information from us over the internet? But Primarily, my main area of interest is also around how businesses promote themselves. So how are businesses going to be doing that? And so I shifted gears in my career to focus entirely in that space, even though it was fairly risky because I had 
management level positions and a great salary at the time that I still am. Uh, I'm, I'm actually all the way back to that salary that I was at in the mid nineties now, but I, I was in a good place then. Um, and it, it seemed like a very big risk to many of my peers, um, at the time, but I took myself off that career path and moved directly into the web still for a media company, but I took a lower level job because I felt like that was something that was really going to change. And I'm just really so glad that I did it uh, because being an early adopter has afforded me so many opportunities in my career. But I stopped, uh, I was a director of sales for a whole newspaper group and I stopped and went to one newspaper and helped get them online in 1995. They were one of the first five uh, newspapers in the United States online, and that was in Portland, Maine. Wow, Portland, Maine, the city that I just moved from a mere six months ago and will always hold near and dear to my heart. So Shannon, let's kind of move forward a little bit in your journey because you were one of the early adopters. You brought a newspaper online in 1995. Let's talk about another time in that journey where you really utilized your cutting edge understanding of the internet to be successful? As we were focusing in Portland and getting the newspaper online, we started working with a lot of local businesses there to help them build websites and and get themselves online. And there was still at that time, no search engines, it's important to remember. And Yahoo and Microsoft were in that space and starting to get better and better, but there was very little search activity. And and I started working a lot with car dealers and, and realized that car dealers had all of this terrific inventory um, in their systems that was searchable if you were at the car dealer. Why not get them online? And so I left Maine and I went to Chicago, Illinois, and worked with a team of people to start a website called cars.com because we felt like if we could get all the cars in the same place, that that could be a pretty big deal. And at the time it was, there were, there was us and auto trader launched fairly shortly after. Um, but it became a, a very popular national website is still one of the top places in the United States to find a car if you are shopping online. But for me, it was it was taking that leap really quickly from, okay, well, I'm comfortable in the media space, but now what else is really possible using the web and, and allowing people to feel empowered and like they have a lot of information about what is, is a fairly big purchase for most people. Um, and so cars.com was my first child. And so what was it like working at a company like that during the birth of the internet into mainstream America and the world? What was the experience like and what made you move away from that work environment? It was an amazing experience. It was, you know, in in a traditional type of position, it could take years for you to be promoted up through an organization into a leadership position. And at cars.com, it was weeks. We were in a matter of weeks where we were reinventing a business, a brand. Uh, We launched in 157 cities in less than eight months and went from six or seven employees to more than 500 in nine months. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, I I still am emotional when I see cars.com on Super Bowl ads because it was a something I was very proud of in my career and I'm very grateful many of the people I worked with are still there. I actually left because as a stipulation from one of our investors which was the second largest newspaper company in the United States 
they had asked if when we were profitable at cars.com, if I would consider going to help them launch their brands uh, nationally. And at the time I said, oh, of course, thinking that it would take us a very long time to become profitable, but it indeed did not. So I left cars.com and went to Knight Ritter Digital in San Jose, California, and spent several years in the Valley helping to launch their brands like Miami.com and um, Philly.com and several city sites and newspaper sites um, across 66 cities in the, in the next few years. Wow. And so what was Cars.com trajectory during and after you left? Did they go through any difficult times? And did you ever say, man, I might need to go back and kind of reinsert myself into this company that's now flagging? Yeah, where we had difficult times, we had some issues in the beginning around uh, standardizing data formats because there was very little activity online at that time, and we couldn't find a standardized format, for example, to deliver a lead to a car dealer. And so we paired up with our competitor, who at the time was Microsoft, and they had a a site called CarPoint, and we partnered up with Microsoft. Rather than fight against them, I felt like if we were setting standards for an industry, we should work together to do that. We set standards to deliver leads to dealers, and we also set the standard format in which car dealer data comes out of their systems even today. And today, many of those sort of groundbreaking foundational elements are in place. So, uh, you know, with open source software, people can build things really quickly today. Back then, platforms had to be built um, it, not on the cloud, but on boxes. And we had to set standard of, standards of, for the industry in many places cases where there were none. So it was, uh, it was a really challenging but exciting time for us. It's, it's much like my quote, we had to, even when we were stumbling, we had to stumble really quickly and always forward. Uh, just keep moving <laughs> forward, keep moving forward. We also had some fun uh, situations with, you know, building national advertising spots because at that time there was no Google and we spent a lot of money on the URLcars.com and trying to make sure that everybody knew what it was. And today, if you look at their traffic, the majority of people that get there go to Google and actually type in cars.com, <laughs> which is a little frustrating, but at least they remember the name. That is. And speaking of the name and speaking of the URL, how did you guys acquire that domain? We, uh, we've located the domain and the person that owned it and spent a very large amount of money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a, it was a lot of negotiating and work, and we used an agent to, uh, to process that at the time. People, there were a lot of squatters on domain names, uh, especially big ones like that. And we also had apartments.com and a couple of other large ones and had a few real estate investments as well, trying to simulate the same thing in that industry. Um, but the cars.com URL was the most expensive one. Wow. Very cool. Love hearing those stories. And Shannon, let's just boil this down for Fire Nation because you just shared a really exciting time in the internet world during cars.com boom and so many other things were going on, you know, the dot-com bubbles going on. Everybody is just really having fun and having a blast and it's that exciting time, but it's also the other end of the spectrum. Companies are coming and going in the blink of an eye. What's one clear lesson that you learned from this entire experience? 
One of the key things that I brought with me was uh, a keen sensibility and practicality coming from Maine. And I think the biggest advice um, that I got and biggest lesson I learned that I still share with Dream Local Digital, but also other companies that I advise is, you know, funding is fabulous and it's important for you to make sure that you are responsible, but be practical about how you spend your money. Uh, When I was in the Valley, there were people spending $500 on office chairs and fancy signs and fancy cars, uh, people buying houses based on the collateral of their stock portfolios. And that's really not real. And it's important to make sure that your business model is solid, that your customers are happy, and that your revenue trajectories are reasonable. I like to, uh, I like to start small and and blow away every projection I give them. Mm, That's why I love Mainers. And Shannon, (laughs) let's start to point the compass towards present times. I don't want to come there quite yet, but share with us how you ended up making it back to Maine. I was in Silicon Valley and enjoying it. I was working very hard uh, and loved it. But I could sense because the company I was with was a publicly traded company. And it was my job to speak to Wall Street in many cases uh, with other members of our team about what was happening with our company. And I could sense that we were starting to, the temperature was about not investing and being conservative, which to me told me that in in the near future, there would be a little bit of a bursting of the bubble out there. And I felt like uh, I had done my time in the Valley and it was time for me to start getting closer to back back East because this is where I was coming um, on a regular basis, mainly to see my grandmother, who is one of my inspirations in my life. And so I decided that being on the East Coast would be a good thing for her. And and, uh, I negotiated uh, out of my position in the Valley uh, nine months after, or no, nine weeks, I'm sorry, after I left um, people started leaving the valley in droves, so I was lucky enough to uh, do it gracefully before the before the burst. And I came to the uh, Northeast and lived in Boston for a couple of years, working with the New York Times and the Boston Globe and Boston.com teams um, on several different projects for them before I came back to Maine. So you made more of a slow transition. You didn't just jump from the valley right back into Maine. You went to Boston first, and then you eased your way up north. I really couldn't handle the culture shock that quickly, so I spent two years in Boston first. Well, being born and raised in Maine, Shannon, I can really appreciate it. And my question to you, Shannon, is being from Maine, I realize the perception a lot of people have. And when I first called you and we were talking and I was starting to learn a little bit about you during our pre-chat and you were saying that you were from Rockland, which is a little ways north from Portland. I was like, oh yeah, Shannon, I used to live in Portland. You know, it's that big city that's that's south of you guys. <laughs> you know, and you're like, uh, duh, obviously. But you know, a lot of people have these assumptions about places like Maine or North Dakota or Wyoming, you know, some of these more rural areas. Do you find yourself struggling when you're talking to international or even national companies um, about your services when they're kind of pulling up a map of where you're located at and they're like, oh, Rockland, Maine, how cute. Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up because uh, our location in Maine for the first two and a half years of the business, almost three years, was a challenge. Not as much with businesses um, because I feel like if I can survive in a small town in Maine and make small businesses here be able to afford our services and make them work for them, that we can do it anywhere. But we definitely had a challenge being taken seriously on the investment side 
and as a and with peers in terms of the partnerships and and things that we needed to be successful and so i i found that to be a, a huge challenge for us we had significant interest from google um in 2010 for an acquisition but they wanted us to shut down in maine and it it just kept coming up so the way that i handled that was to try to really ingrain myself in the entrepreneur community here in maine which i'm fortunate now that i'm back you know, it's it's a very rich community here now. And by getting more involved with some really terrific people here, I found that we could find investors that believe in the main part of our story, which is, you know, we want to generate revenue from all across the United States, North America and beyond, but we want to create jobs here in Maine. And we, we are fortunate enough now to be backed by several investors that believe in that same story and share sort of that focus with us. And it's sort of by embracing what was perceived as a weakness is where I found strength. I love that, Shannon. And I can definitely say that my time spent in Maine and really embracing the entrepreneurial community there was one that I look back very fondly upon and know that if I ever do move back, that there is an amazing community of entrepreneurs in Maine there that are continuing to grow forward and supporting each other, which is so valuable. And I think that's actually how we were even connected was through that very valuable community, that entrepreneurship community within Maine. And I'm also seeing this great trend, Shannon, and that it did matter a few years ago where you were located at. But as times are changing, people are starting to see that, you know what, entrepreneurs, especially successful entrepreneurs, are location independent, meaning they can live and succeed wherever they want to live because all they need is a great connection to the internet and almost anything is possible. And I moved to San Diego. That's where my girlfriend was born and raised. So we moved back to be close to her family for some time. You know, nothing has changed in my business except the actual time zone. Literally, like I could still be in Maine with just as much success as I've had as I am out here now in San Diego. And you're starting to experience the same thing where you're at in Rockland, Maine, which is even more rural than I was in Portland. And for all the listeners, it's a huge takeaway. You don't have to move to a massive entrepreneurial city like a New York City, like a Silicon Valley, like an Austin, Texas to be relevant. You can be relevant wherever you are if you create amazing products, services, and experiences. So Shannon, let's now bring things to current time, to today. I want to talk about one thing specifically right now that's just really exciting you. For us, um, I'm finding that every city I go to, we have big events in each city where it'll be like how to market yourself online and we'll get hundreds of small businesses coming in. In every city I'm going to, it is full of small businesses that need and very much want assistance in understanding how to market themselves online and how to best leverage it. We just completed two weeks ago sessions in Venice, Florida, which is one of the oldest age-wise communities in the United States and still sold out of how many seats that we had available. Um, So every city we're in, there's so many businesses that are interested in, in help. And it's been really exciting for me to be able to talk to so many of them personally. We've helped more than 15,000 businesses in the past, um, I think 14 months just here in the U S and in Canada. And, and for me, it's exciting to see, even uh, service-based businesses, um, any type of business be out there saying, okay, I want to do this too. How can I do this? Uh, So that's been a lot of fun. 
And where could the listeners go to find your schedule of events? They can see it at dreamlocal.com. Shannon, we're going to take a minute and thank our sponsors. I know nowadays it seems like all of our communication... I know nowadays it seems like all of our communication is done online. Need to ask someone a question? Just post it on their Facebook page. Looking to plan a meetup? Just send them an email. But believe it or not, there are several situations when a phone line is helpful. And I don't mean just for text messages. While email and Facebook notifications are the norm, sometimes what would take 10 minutes to try to explain via an email would only take you one minute to say over the phone. That means time and therefore money is being saved. Don't have time to be on the phone all day? I get it. Neither do I. But that's okay. You don't have to with a business phone number from eVoice. Call routing and voicemails do still exist, you know? Interested in learning how you can make the power of a business phone line work for you? Go to eVoice.com and enter FIRE at checkout for $5 off every month forever. That's eVoice.com, promo code FIRE. You probably heard me say more than once on Entrepreneur on Fire that the best thing you can do right now is just start. Just start listening, that is. Right now, audiobooks.com is offering Fire Nation your first book for free. No strings attached. Audiobooks.com offers a great selection of titles. In fact, their entire library holds over 40,000 titles. You can find great business reads to keep you motivated and focused like Crush It and Utility. And the major benefit of listening to audiobooks is that you can take them anywhere you go. All you have to do is download them to the audiobooks.com app on your Apple or Android device for offline listening. If you check out audiobooks.com and like what you see, they also offer some amazing membership benefits like one audiobook per month plus 33% off each additional title you listen to. So head on over and sign up to get your first book for free today at audiobooks.com slash fire. So Shannon, this is just a perfect segue to what my favorite part of the interview is. And that's the lightning rounds. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? You got it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I really wanted to make sure I had enough experience at every facet of the business, you know, from the weeds at the bottom to being a leader. Uh, So as soon as I felt I had accomplished those types of goals and had the leadership skills I needed, I went straight to it. What is the best advice you've ever received? Early on, I wanted to study advertising design and be a creative person because I really believe I am creative. But my mentor at the time explained to me that if I ever wanted to make real money and if I ever wanted to leverage my talents, I needed to be on the sales side of the business. And I'm so grateful for that experience. (laughs) Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? I'm very driven and I'm always on when it comes to work. Uh, We have team members all over the U.S. As you said, you can be anywhere to work for Dream Local, which means that I'm getting contacts from people all, you know, all of the time and I'm always on. Uh, And I'm also an avid user of many of the sites and tools that we recommend for our clients and the small businesses. So when they ask me questions about how to do something, I can tell them the answer really easily. I think you have to, to eat your own food. Do you have an internet resource, Shannon, like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with our listeners? 
I'm a heavy user of Dropbox and Google Drive. We, we share a ton of documents um, on the cloud through both Google and Dropbox. And lately, I've really been addicted to Google Keep, which I have on my phone. It's very similar to Evernote, but I, can, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm driving, and then I talk into my Google Keep to take notes. Wow. Well, you just named my top two most used resources and then alerted me to another one, Google Keep, which shockingly I've never heard of. So thank you. I will be checking that out. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to all three of these resources and everything that we've been chatting about in today's episode at eofire.com slash Shannon Kinney. Shannon, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Lately, I've really been very motivated by the book Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. It is really interesting when you're thinking of opportunities to lead and empower and inspire your team, which has been a big focus for me over the last quarter. It's a terrific book. Yes, and Fire Nation, that's the Dan Pink book, Drive, who's been a phenomenal past guest of Entrepreneur on Fire. If you haven't already, you can get the audio version of this book for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Shannon, this next question is the last question of the lightning round, but boy, is it a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I think the first thing I would do is try to build a network of other people um, and get to know people, but not just to be friends. Uh, but also my big thing is I, I always look for what problem can I solve? What problem do I think that my skills um, can most add value to the most people where I feel like I can make the best contribution? And so I'd use that money either in research or networking with my peers to try to find that problem I can solve. Love that, Shannon. And I have just loved hearing your journey from Maine to cars.com to Silicon Valley to Boston and then back to Maine again. It's truly been a full circle. I am so glad that you are in vacation land as we speak, adding to that incredible entrepreneurial vibe that we have going on there. Let's end this interview with you giving Fire Nation just one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. You can find me at, on Twitter at, at Shannon Kin, S-H-A-N-N-O-N-K-I-N, or at dreamlocal.com. And one parting piece of guidance. I really feel like for entrepreneurs, it's, it's never losing hope. Stay very passionate and very focused on what makes you passionate and be a very strong leader for your teams and your peers. You know, the best the best advice I can give is let your team outshine you every day. That's how you're going to get to the finish line. Amazing, amazing advice, Shannon. Thank you so much. And Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've talked about in today's episode at eofire.com. They can just click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives or just enter Shannon into our wonderful search bar and her show notes page will pop right up. Shannon, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you. 
Podcasters Paradise is everything we thought it would be and more. Do you know we have over 350 active members who are sharing their best techniques and tactics in the forum and even connecting outside Paradise to exchange honest reviews in iTunes and be guests on each other's shows? Having a community of like-minded entrepreneurs can make all the difference. Learn about Paradise today at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. Ignite.